0: Well, it's uh, Ozzy Durok we are in the OzBuzz world and today I have the great privilege and the pleasure to talk to David Zibenga, who is a securities uh, lawyer that uh, deals in the kind of real estate that everybody looks at from the outside and wonders, you know, what is it? So we have somebody that will lift the fog from our misunderstanding, so welcome David.
1: Good morning everybody and good morning Oz, how are you? Good, really well. So. Good.
0: So tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Uh, Well, also I've been uh, practicing, it feels like about 10 million years, but probably (laughs) about 30 years. Um, Started out as a son of a Dutch farmer and uh, people have heard me say that. And for me it's kind of important because uh, in this business, uh, in our society, it's important to relate. You know, so my dad uh, came over after the war and like any other immigrant really, really worked hard. And as I grew up I, I learned a couple interesting things. One was to worry about the things you can control and yeah. not worry about the other part of it, right? Weather, as an example, with a farmer you can't control it so you try to get around it. But I guess more importantly uh, my dad taught me about curiosity. <laughs> yeah. Learn, stick your nose in places, try to figure out what's going on on the planet, figure out what's going on in this world. So I never intended to become a lawyer um, and Honestly today I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up because of the curiosity right. Um, Lawyering is interesting. Um, I'm not a court lawyer, Um, I do business law so I love paper, hate trees Um, and many days to be honest with you uh, I still wonder if I shouldn't have stayed a farmer and if you know why it's because you always can figure out when the cows poop on you.
0: (laughs) Well that's of course it's uh we, we, we have a saying that is you know we grow into our own future best. I mean yep. you're I'm different than I was five years ago and I'm different gonna be five years from now and that's the exciting part if you live your life with that curiosity in you. So how did you get into law?
1: Um, I grew up in a family of faith and uh, my parents uh, actually thought I should become a preacher that's and uh, just for a variety of reasons that didn't happen um, and uh, my dad always said continue, you know, don't stand around, try, learn. Uh, I took an undergraduate degree in business and marketing, won awards in marketing and uh, and then that was, uh, I took that in Calgary and when I graduated our beloved fearless leader Pierre Elliott Trudeau threw in the yeah. National Energy Program and the uh, Calgary economy halted completely and I there wasn't anything well, there was things to do so my dad said hey keep getting an education and the natural progression was law school and coming out the back end of that it's uh, just learning.
0: Well that's the main thing keep on learning. Right? Absolutely. So then you went into law and then so how did you get into the security aspect of real estate?
1: Um, when I started out, just as I <clears throat> started practicing law, I uh, ended up through a series of connections, uh, lawyering, the the papering the deal if you want, uh, that's now known downtown Vancouver's 1000 Beach. And in 1000 Beach, there was a consortium of, um, at that time, Japanese investment uh, with Canadian partners. And I learned off the get-go that um, when you're dealing with people from other countries, uh, different perspectives and different legal systems apply. And it came very quickly relevant to me because especially at that time, dealing with the banking industry or say even with a house when you get an appraisal, you know, what does that mean? So anyway, um, learning about the international side of it, uh, when we I finished up that project, uh, at that time, the Japanese economy went completely offside or crashed if you want. Ended up um, setting up a retail practice which uh, has been ongoing for some years in the uh, suburbs, Surrey, Langley, Abbotsford, Chilliwack.
0: So what and exactly is a security? I mean I, I know I buy a house that's not a security because I buy a house It's a real asset.
1: What's a s- a- security is um, buying a piece of something. Um, so for example um, if, if I wanted to buy a house by myself okay mm-hmm. I'm buying a house that's theoretically a security but if there was 50 people buying a house together then each person has say 2% of it um, then that piece that 2% piece if I wanted to buy and sell it with other people arguably that's a security because I'm trading a piece of something right so it, it, if people are having um, um, a public company and their shares in there and they trade it that's a security that share it's traded through a regularized system called the stock exchange so really it's a piece of something if you don't own it outright and you own a piece of something with a bunch of people it's a security so if you and I say started the business tomorrow we each own half of it we'd each have half the business that's a security would if I bought it and sold it that's not so much regulated because it's a private thing. If, I, if we, you and I go into a partnership and I bring a hundred people along with me to invest with you and that arrangement internally there is a security. To yeah, and so you mentioned earlier the word
0: you have to paper it and I think that is so important we have in, in our investment group we have all these uh, young ambitious guys and girls and they want to get done and they have innovative ideas as well hold it first of all run this by a lawyer you have to understand mm-hmm. the rules we have things like offering memorandums and we have you know uh, de- declara- declarations and we have laws that on how many people in a partnership and all these kind of things and, uh, and so is that's what you specialize in
1: yeah and to just really generalize it um, you know 100 years ago um, my word was my bond and if I didn't I'd have potentially eternal consequences in our society today because things are so complicated uh you know yeah we are inundated with paper but the way i look at it and yes that is the world i do paper isn't a question of don't i or do i trust you it's more a question of good fences good neighbors we understand the good the bad and the ugly and then we both move forward because it's kind of like in that counseling world the four squares where we both know this i know that and you know this one but then there's the square of what Nobody knows about in the future, right? And when I'm in dealing with securities and so on, it's all you know. I tell people, I'm not God. I can't figure out what's <laughs> happening in three years from now, right? Yeah. So you need to know. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing
0: always is that I look at uh, like we have we have been dealing uh, in securities most of the time. We've been in direct real estate. My company, which is George Keys Investment Realty, also deals in and um, pre-sales and all this kind of yep, thing. Yep. so so securities uh, are always sometimes it's a large project you can't buy it by yourself so you yep. buy it together with other people yep. and then you have to figure out who runs it who gets paid what, what who, how is the non-monetary investment compensated and so on so it really behooves people to understand what they're getting into because yep. sometimes I always love it people saying oh this is a limited partnership oh great All Mm -hmm. I can lose is everything, right? I can't (laughs) lose any more than that. Well, that's not exactly a thrilling uh, prospect for me, but if I go into a limited partnership, I have to understand who is the general partner and and what are the experience levels. And then the papering aspect of it, you know, when things go wrong, you know, things such as the shotgun clause and and all of those kind of things have to be figured out.
1: Well, absolutely, I mean, you know, when you're dealing with limited partnerships, what you are doing is you're trusting the general partner so for example if you hold your money in your bank today you're trusting that bank it's your champion you know it may give you 1% and if you borrow money from it it will give you two so it's pretty smart that way but you know if you are saying hey I got money there and now you let's say you're gonna buy a house well you're trusting your champion be it the realtor or the disclosures this house gonna fall over or not right in the world of finance, when you're dealing about say things like limited partnerships, you're trusting management yeah. right? and, and that management is important. So i give you an example of my personal world. Oz, if I came to you today and I said, hey, I want to borrow $100,000 off of you, you'd look at me and say, he's a lawyer, you're successful. Well, what's that all about, right? If I come to you and I say have an offering with some well-named developer in town, right? Um, all of a sudden, you're relying, oh, look what he built. Ooh, that's big and the rest of it. And in my experience, I've done that and raised 40 to $50 million. The question is, why? I'm the guy with the credentials and the lawyers and the respect, but I'm not considered the champion of being able to build a building or a high-tech or something. Right. right. So if you are thinking, and folks, if you're listening today and you've got some type of limited partnership in front of you, look at the management. And also recognize that in the agreement it's like you're entering into a fourth level of government and what's your protection and what's your recourse but you know people come to me all the time and say wow that deal looks really great I should invest in it and you know my simple adage and this is I think in part confirmed by the government concerned about investing public is the big adage of legal you know technical answer which is don't put all your eggs in one basket if well, it's the, that good, put it. Put more of it around.
0: Right? But it's clear you're, you're buying the experience. You're buying the know-how. You've got to figure out what did the guy do build before. Absolutely. What's the reputation? And the funny thing is, quite often you can find out that somebody maybe is not of the stellar reputation. You know, and and and, uh, and so you have to research and ask questions and.
1: Well, and that's where you know again, if uh, you want to. Look and understand how that works, right? So, for example, um, you know our government uh, institutes certain things like full disclosure documents. So, for example, if you were buying a house today, you have the uh, personal disclosure statement. By the seller, yeah. Yeah, you know. Well, in the world of finance, there is two worlds. Uh, One is the uh, syndications, which I'd call the group hug, where everybody (laughs) just hopes and things work out, and that's the the narrative of all the messes, right? But our government, I think, wisely has come out with a, like a prospectus or an offering memorandum document which talks about the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? And, and lot, everything has to be in there. Yeah, yep. and if it isn't, there's consequences and sometimes criminal consequences to the person, the promoter who's the person that is going at it, right? But, you know, it's important. And when I talk to people, it's like, hey, if you're thinking about it, you know, this is your blood and treasure whether it be five grand, 20 grand, or two, or 500,000 or 10 million, it's your blood and treasure. And, you know, when I sit with people and I say, hey, if you were here today buying a um, a stereo at Best Buy for a thousand bucks, you'd be turning dials, you'd be beating up salespeople saying, hey, you know, it's this, that, and the other. Well, if you're putting a $100,000 in limited partnership, it's like buying a thousand stereos. Yeah. You have a right to know.
0: Absolutely, right? and it's, it's so important that don't guess or don't think well it's a big name I can't ask them right or particularly if they, if they, you're sometimes I see a, a whole bunch of people get together and in fact in the course that I used to teach is on a joint venture not necessarily <coughs> having an offer memorandum but maybe four or five guys go together let's do something yep and so there's one thing they can buy a specific one, one-off kind of a deal and yep. then there's maybe collect money and I said when you get uh, your mother and father involved put everything in writing but it's my mother and father yeah but I think the mother and father actually expect to get their money back whereas the child usually thinks it's a gift right so you've got to spell it out and if you um, ask the partners uh, to trust uh, that that they want you to trust them well then you have to trust utterly that means you have to ask them questions and if they get happy with you right up front well good for you to know and not to enter into such a thing
1: you know the funny thing there too Oz is that I think in our society because of its um, historical oral traditions, today everything is in writing, right? And when I sit down with a big swatch of paperwork, if I'm cutting a deal and I'm saying here's paperwork, I think there's this sort of implicit responses, oh, it's in writing. You don't trust me, do you? right? <laughs> yeah. and, and I get that a lot. Mm-hmm. And you know what I look at it is kind of to try to change the, the story a bit is like if hey, if I start a business deal with you today, or you did with me and i stepped out and got run over by a bus what would happen right right because a lot of times if you're entrusting a champion like a bank is not going to get run over by a bus obviously right. because there's systems and processes and everything to back it up but if you're dealing with somebody let's say i'm coming out with a new venture ooh la la they're out there promoting it well what's What's the management's backup? If I get run over in a bus, sure. what does that mean? So, back to mom and dad, you know, they're by implicitly trusting their son or whatever to do this venture, and yeah, but what happens if you run over? Well, mom and dad aren't going to run the business or yeah. run whatever the venture is, right? That's why the paper and why it's so important to figure out what's going on in the background. What's the backup to this guy if he gets run over in a bus?
0: Yeah, and the wording, I mean, you know, to cover yourself, I mean, what, sure, what does limited partner actually mean? I mean, who does what I mean quite often uh, if there's only two partners I always tell them and I'm not a lawyer but I say have both of you sign the check yeah but might be cumbersome no not if it's just a small deal justice has to be seen to be done not not just to be done right so read the thing right Uh, where do you do your banking and who makes a decision and who makes a decision on the performance and who man all of those kind of things a good joint venture agreement Covers all those things,
1: and you know what? Part of it too is that sometimes, if we're just talking like a joint venture as yeah. compared to some of these right. other securities, but in a joint venture, you know, there's that sort of well, the one-two check that you were just talking signatures to a check, and people get oh gosh, can't trust them. Well, then you could set up a process of one account has two signatures, right. and the other one has one, and the one you just transfer five grand at a time right right? the business has to run and but yet there's seemingly a sense of oversight but a lot of times you know especially if you're getting into a deal and someone ah Ozzy trust me baby (laughs) right at that point it's kind of like it's your blood and treasure and if he got run over in a bus or ran away with it what's the consequences right and you see it all the time but even that's a good
0: point even in property management I don't want to have the minutiae of the property manager asking me every time, but I say, okay, up to two hundred and fifty dollars, you decide. After that, give me yeah. a call, right? So then, it, then it's it's relatively And clear. that
1: works perfectly, especially if you're in a larger business environment. It's like, hey, I'll, we'll write over five or ten or yeah. twenty thousand dollar checks, and when you've spent it all, give me a list of what you spent. Oh, we'll do it again, right? Yeah. But it's the the
0: idea is to talk it through, to understand it fully, and have a lawyer on your side
1: yeah or or some type of registered person so for example in the financial industry you'll have your financial representative or a financial advisor in an a, a irock firm or scotia mcleod that type of thing sure. right um, people there generally have the background uh, uh, to provide that thing those that type of advice right it's about relationship building and track history is what it comes down to you know the problem you I won't call it a problem but what you just talked about is always have a lawyer advising well if I express that in another sense Ozzy if I have um, let's say cancer um, or maybe more appropriately I have heart trouble Mm -hmm. am I gonna go to a brain surgeon (laughs) right so lawyer 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 right I mean again we have to be careful because um, you don't want to come to me for family law I have no clue Right, yeah. um, you don't want to go to a litigation lawyer for a business deal, and some of the hazards in the industry is you know a lot of lawyers. Um, we lawyers make money by selling their time, right? So um, in my world, and because I'm now more in syndications and product development, um, I hire on. Whether it's a tax lawyer for tax issues or a securities lawyer for securities issues, because you know, I don't know what I don't know, and that's truly frightening, right? So you want to get people that understand those particular worlds. But and we, I've talked about this other times too. You know, if when I'm hiring on expertise, whether it's you know the folks that are listing hiring on any lawyer or an accountant or whatever. You know, at one, two, three, four, five hundred dollars an hour, I don't want to know about the weather. I don't want to know about your children. <laughs> yeah. I just want an answer, right? Yeah. So I had a, a client a while ago that um, had an insurance issue, right? And something went sideways. And I said, okay, um, when you renewed your insurance, it was on a business environment. I said, did you uh, email the insurance agent saying, okay, you're suggesting this coverage as a cover off these types of things. That's what I needed to do. And the client said, yes. I said, well, now what's happened is not only have you bought insurance, but you have also bought the error liability insurance of the insurance agent to advise you properly on what you have, right? right. So a lot of times talk is cheap. And, you know, when you get, you know, the professional cadre be it lawyers or accountants or the rest of it, You know, reducing your request to them in writing is also important because what you're looking for is, you know, if if the question, what's the saying, bad questions give you bad answers. Right. right? If you don't define the question clearly enough, you don't get the answer back. And unfortunately, our society is all driven against paper. And you know that's why it's important. Just to be clear, good fences, good neighbors. Right?
0: Well, the thing is, you you can sue on on many verbal kind of commitments, but you can't sue on verbal real estate commitments, right? Has to be in writing. Well,
1: that's right. Um, and you know, even on a more general basis, at times, if I take it out of the real estate realm, because there's a requirement to be things in writing. But even the question is, oral contracts are enforceable, but prove it. Yeah. can you prove and I, I had a gentleman the other day same thing that was a collections issue and he, I said you got an, you got a contract yep yeah. I said in writing no I said it's, a, it's an oral contract so were the people around when you made that agreement with the guy right that's the key right. but the issue unfortunately is you know a lot of people businesses in the smaller realm the grief of trying to recoup it is hard right especially in the yeah. In the litigation realm right and unfortunately or fortunately um, social media for what it is isn't sometimes a more effective remedy than legal <laughs> remedy right but I think you're right
0: it would be so easy and I do that quite often I have a meeting with somebody I'll write a quick email absolutely so as I understand uh, this is sort of what we agreed on or it's great talking to you about such and such and such and such and so let's do this together Why not? The whole idea, particularly like I said, in a club (coughs) environment, you meet people once a month, you become friendly, still does not stop you from the obligation to search things out, check out people, and it's not on a trust me kind of a basis. It's too important.
1: Well, exactly, right? And like for me, uh, I'm a lawyer. Yes, a lot of things are in writing, but even in my business environment or to affirm what you were just talking about, each time I do that, like a summary email like that to a meeting, the way I do it is I'm creating an evidentiary trail, should I ever have something go on, right? you're going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then if the guy gets run over in a bus tomorrow, and well you know. then we know what the expectations were. Right. right? Yeah. It's, and it's so
0: important, it's funny, I did once a joint venture with something that we are never supposed to do, it's like number one, buy a boat, right? A boat is a hole in water in which you pour money, <laughs> I kept on hearing that. So not only that I took four guys and we bought this boat together so this is a long time ago I'm a voter so then so what we did the four of us we said let's sit down and in an afternoon we wrote down everything that could possibly go wrong or right who did what you got two yep. weeks in the summer each and then we did this three day rotation you had to bring it up you know, couldn't have any dogs on couldn't supleas it was all there and if somebody died then the other three would buy them out Now everybody talked talked me that would never work it worked like a charm because it was all there was nothing that we we had not written down from not smoking to all these oddball things now maybe we changed maybe we could still say okay your three days or my three days but the agreement was done and it wasn't necessarily notarized but at least we understood what it was and it was actually really a magnificent partnership all of us being able to borrow on a much larger boat than otherwise
1: possible. Well absolutely and you know the thing is like when people start a venture together right um, you know there's this balancing act uh, going to back to my father you know he said in business he says invest the money in the black and white things that produce the milk rather than the buildings that house them right so it's about the effective use of money Mm -hmm. but when it comes to Whether it's a joint venture relationship or a limited partnership relationship or a shareholders agreement in a company There's the common law out there that has general principles, right? But you know A joint venture relationship is like a marriage without intimate relationships Right (laughs) and the happiest you're ever going to be with each other is day one (laughs) Right, so the way I tell people is you know if you want a good solid relationship put together like you did albeit just the facts or an agreement can be signed or not but at least you take that and you throw it in the bottom drawer you know that you've worked out what's there yeah. people plan for their success a lawyer or you know whatever it's my job in many ways to plan for people's failure
0: well and, and that's why people need protection absolutely well, there's so many different <coughs> ways the government of course we have a real estate law a realtor has to be hired to sell a piece of real estate in the security there's some different aspects I know like in British Columbia we have what is called a Northwest Exemption which I understand is also now see in, bye it, bye. in <laughs> its final days but there a, a layman like myself I could go and, and just put my name with the Security Commission and then I could say to you David uh, I ran across a deal over there go take a look at it I'm not allowed to advise you yep. but I could sort of be a contact person into a deal Now what what would that have been then? You were buying a security and I was operating under the Northwest exemption right? Yeah
1: so what happened in that situation is if that had gone through then uh, had there been appropriate disclosures the um, uh, general partner or whatever agent could then pay you a a finder's fee right Mm -hmm. and there was processes required to get it there right our government in its latest initiative looks at that and says well um, there's a lot of lot of potential of and there was also risk of abuse right where uh, you would be, a person would say hey you know they know me well and therefore well, yeah this has got to be good and the government says that's not so good we want right. to make sure the investing public has protection. Sure. Back to the old paper planet again right. right? Yeah. <coughs> so that's causing wrinkles because a lot of people want to be finders and the government says hey the hazard outweighs the benefit and you know what is actually going to end up happening is the registered people um, are going to have to step up their game to build confidence directly in the investing public um, without uh, the um, middleman so to speak and put it they that have way. To, they have to be licensed like
0: a licensed security dealer
1: yeah, more or less. That is how they're looking at it. Like you know, so in my world, I have I work alongside of uh, a securities uh, company. It's called an exempt market dealer. Capital Street's its name. And basically, in general, what's happened is, uh, you know, hundred years ago we had moose pasture and a bunch of things happened. So there was a securities act in the U.S. in 1933 that came around the world. And today in Canada we have it. I rock dealers is what we call them and they do their job and they do it really well right but about 20 years or 15 years ago we had this advent called crowdfunding which was totally unregulated and private deals and you know from my perspective the what happened is the government responded saying you know we can't control this <laughs> yeah. so we want to ensure that there is a class of dealers that review things private deals and they also have a system to ensure that right. their advisors talk about diversification. Compliance
0: officer and Compliance
1: stars. and all of that and out comes what's called the exempt market dealers and what that means it's not exempt of a market but it's exempt of a prospectus filing which is a full disclosure document approved by the government and instead there's a variety of exemptions one of which is an offering memorandum which is more of filing with the government of the forms. Yes, it's not necessarily
0: approved or reviewed as opposed to perspective
1: but you know and why you know when I look at this is like Aussie if let's say we own that building across the street right and you owned it through a public company right so you own the shares or some of the shares of that well that building is that building it's in downtown Vancouver it's worth so many dollars well tell me why if it's held through a public company that if the Russian government throws a bomb in Crimea why should your value go down 10 or 20 percent there's no justifiable reason it's a long way away from Crimea right so the government looks at and says well people want solidity and strength of investing they want to be able to see feel and touch and the problem with private deals is that it's not liquid period right? So the important thing is as long as somebody discloses the facts and the risks then and the exempt market dealer was had a proper procedures manual itself was vetted much like a Remax or real estate office then it should be able to present to the public a direct investment vehicle for what it's worth right? And it's interesting you know again uh, working with Capital Street we've had some local projects that are real pertinent there and Capital Street and its team has found a lot of success because people want direct investment, right? Uh, and I, you know, have looked at varying different projects and say, hey, you know, as long as there's something that's real and people can feel and touch, it's an option. And really, the exempt industry is as much about education as compared to, hey, there's a good deal, mm-hmm. but it's about empowering people, right?
0: Well the the exempt dealers, so that's an exempt dealer, he is likely licensed. The Northwest exemption was an exemption from from. Being
1: a licensed person and also that if you uh, registered yourself with the uh, Securities Commission then you could accept and obtain a fee Mm -hmm. for an introduction as long as it was only an introduction as compared right. to you hey you should invest in this right? Exactly
0: yeah and but that's finished you now as of February 2019 it's done yep.
1: early early
0: next year and then all of these guys probably will have to join a company like Capital Street or yourself? Well or
1: if that you see even in the in the northwest exemption it was a sort of ad hoc type referral thing right so it's like you're primarily in the business of whatever and oh here's a guy oh talk to him and oh you get a fee that was kind of that world as compared to um, this is your full time job but you're right. just kind of hiding in the shadows right yeah. so in the industry and interestingly enough the Northwest exemption really only uh, fundamentally wasn't nationwide it was more in the West here mm-hmm. hence the, the Northwest exemptions right <laughs> uh, so um, you know now they're seeking to harmonize it because Canada as a nation with its syndications wants to keep abreast of what's going on in the world too right yes. so it's about just improving the serve of the capital markets for lack of a better term.
0: Well I know that uh, that you know you're a very quiet kind of a guy but you have quite a portfolio of cash going through your trust accounts what was the number you quoted me there?
1: Uh, in the in the law side of things no. we um, we do probably, or have done 1,000, 1,500 deals a year. right? Yeah. So, if your, you know, typical house price is what it is, yeah, we've we have throttled, throttled is the wrong term, but processed over a billion dollars a year in trust volume. Okay. That fundamentally, though, has been mostly to do with real estate, right? Yeah. Like transacting, buying and selling houses sure. or businesses.
0: But that's quite a quite. You've seen, you've seen it. Maybe not all, but you've seen a lot of things that can go right and a lot of things that can go wrong. Do you have sort of some advice for people as to what they ought to do and what they ought not to do?
1: If you're talking in the in the real estate business, uh, like in houses, um, get good advice, right? I saw a deal, Aussie, which was this is some years ago where it kind of fell off the rails because a old real estate agent who was a German immigrant after the war who had a really thick accent and wrote horribly, was writing a contract for a Punjabi buyer who couldn't <laughs> understand English. And the seller was, I think, somebody from somewhere else. And you looked at this and you think, wow, I just hope these people want to buy, right? So it's about back to your champion, right? Mm-hmm. Get, get good coaching, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when I deal, like be it in real estate agents or back even when I was talking about things like uh, Capital Street or, you know, the dealing reps, you want to know that what do they know, right? And have they got a good handle on it? Because really, a lot of times these people are your coach. So, for example, um, when I, um, I'll structure up a company and talk to somebody who's incorporating a company and said, who's your accountant, right? Well, Joe, X, Y, and Z, I said, you know what, he's your coach. He's going to be the one interfacing between you and Reverend New Canada. What has he done Mm -hmm. how good is it what he's doing has he got a strategy because a lot of times and even in the exempt market space right there isn't a right or a wrong Mm -hmm. there isn't a legal or an illegal it's a question is your approach well thought out and is it defensible because you never know right
0: so if I had a bunch of people uh, that want to do something together either collect money together to buy something or actually already know something and then get together they should come see you. See somebody that can actually uh, talk to the group and say okay what are your goals what are your objectives sure. and who's gonna do what and then you as you say people. Right? right
1: yeah I mean and it, for me as a person right um, my my background is that as a lawyer right but where I am at personally today it's about being able to get things organized in writing because you got to have a a plan and talk is cheap right so you know whether it's if you got a plan to do something small you know uh, where i seem to have found at least in my if i call it sweet spot is the ability to get people's plans organized to build business plans and at that point like i said if maybe somebody's got an idea that wants to do a full exempt market well i can refer them off to capital street team I don't own that company right or um, hey you've got this wonderful weird tax potentiality well hey I I can I can find that specialization right when I started out practicing I I was working on a large land project and as the project unfolded uh, they were um, uh, clearing out the old tenant and there was union problems and there was building problems and I found out at the end of the day what I was doing for who I was working for at that time was steering around the professionals, right? So I'm almost like a an orchestra conductor, right? <laughs> yeah. There is so much garbledy-guck yeah. going on on the planet, you've got whether it be government regulators or city people and so on and it's a question about if you got an idea mm-hmm. you want to have a champion. and. You know, I, I often get that, too. Like, what's your goal, right? Where my father, um, I watched him pass on. And as a man of faith, he was not frightened of death, but concerned, right? Mm-hmm. And in the last week of his life, he recounted his years, right? And I watched that. And what my takeaway was, Ozzie, we're sitting here this morning. And when I sit with people across a desk or a table or whatever I say what do you want to remember about today when you're 80 looking back sure. right yeah. and that's why if you have a dream or an inspiration or passion point mm-hmm. exercise on it right. Sure. I grew up in, in the faith world there was a story about uh, a parable of the ten talents right where the boss man was leaving, he had hired on three people, gave one a buck of one, four bucks and one ten. Comes back a year later and the guy that buried the buck, he took the buck and buried it and gave it back and the boss said that's no good and gave it to the other guy. Right? For me, in my world, I look at it and say, I'm on the planet with a set of gifts or maybe there's people listening that have a dream or should I or shouldn't I? Right? Mm-hmm. The question is what do you want to remember? Try. Yeah. Try to push forward because you never know. The journey here is only once. Right. And you need to enjoy each day, right? And that's why for me, I got a lot of people that have dreams. They come to me and say, okay, you know, what are you trying to do? Who's your champion? How are you going to get there? But talk is cheap. There's lots of people out in the pub sure. or whatever. Talk, 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 talk. But if you really believe in it, you know, put it down in writing
0: and get after it. Yeah, if you want to go into your own future best, you also have to take some chances. But it's good to have when you do take a chance on a joint venture, or buying a security or buying a house. You know, it's good to have somebody on your side and somebody like you that can lift the fog of misunderstanding. So I want to yeah. thank you for taking the time to to share your thinking with us. Um, people can find you at uh, at Capital Street. We'll have you on the on the Oz as a contact and. Um, I always end the, uh, the, the the talk by saying you know it is it is the people in our environment the people that we know that can help us grow into our own future best and while we're growing in our own future best let's live life large absolutely right thanks a lot David
1: thank you have a good day folks